Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be God's family, now and forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you've given your only Son to be for us a sacrifice for sin and also an example of godly life. Give us grace to receive thankfully the fruits of his redeeming work and to follow daily in the blessed steps of his most holy life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Genesis. Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. The word of the Lord. Please join me as we read Psalm 133 responsively by the half verse. Oh, how good and pleasant it is. It is like fine oil upon the head, upon the beard of Aaron. It is like the dew of Hermon. For there the Lord has ordained the blessing. A reading from Paul's epistle to the Romans. I ask then, has God rejected God's people? By no means. I myself am an Israelite 
a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected God's people whom God foreknew. For the gifts and calling of God are are irrevocable. Just as you were once disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so they have now been disobedient in order that, by the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience, so that God may be merciful to all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus called the crowd and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to Jesus, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? Jesus answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to Jesus, Explain this parable to us. Then Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by an unclean spirit. But Jesus did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Jesus answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The Gospel of the Lord. It's a rather jarring story to come back to, isn't it? Uh, And I suppose it depends on how it is we choose to view it. I want to suggest to you, though, that Jesus really sets an interesting hinge on which to operate the the story. Um, In the optional reading, that's what we got to hear first. It's what comes out of the mouth that defiles, not what goes into it. And then there's this case study of a woman who comes to Jesus. I want to suggest to you, maybe not in faith, but rather in desperation. She comes desperate because her daughter is sick and there is no one who can help her. And uh, I suppose it depends on how we hear Jesus as to what we might take home today. Uh, The mentorship of my early faith taught me that Jesus is testing this woman to see if she will have adequate faith. He's trying to draw out of her how much does she really believe. And if you follow that, then I think about three weeks ago, there was a really interesting case study that happened within the House of Congress. One member said to, called another member of the House of Congress, um, an epithet reserved for women only, on the steps of Capitol Hill. And um, there was really two very striking addresses to Congress that followed this incident. One was her, this is Congresswoman AOC, who talked about whether particular language is not only appropriate um, within Congress, but as Americans. The other who apologized to her that her feelings got hurt. (laughs) This is really interesting, because it's not actually an apology. I'm so sorry your feelings got hurt by what I said. Uh, That's actually a backhanded slap that says, it's your fault your feelings got hurt, 
not my fault that I said something that was injurious to you. I don't know if you've seen these addresses. I commend them to you, though, because they're actually really interesting um, to watch, this level of dialogue. Perhaps, and I grew up hearing it this way, Jesus is saying to the lady, you're supposed to endure no matter what happens, and I'm just going to play that out. In this case, um, Jesus is the hero because as master, he is able to get her to have the right faith response. But I want to suggest to you there's a different way to hear the story, and I think it is one that invites us, I think, into transformation uh, that I think is really more about who Jesus is, at least in my own faith journey now. What if it is Jesus' response to the woman, not his initial thought, that is for us to emulate. Uh, This may sound a little bit heretical, but I want to suggest to you, Jesus calls this woman a dog, and in Greek this is a female dog, and we have a word in English for that. It's extremely pejorative and diminutive any time a man uses that to a woman, because what it does is it separates men from women and puts women always beneath. When a man uses that word, the man is demonstrating that he has power over the woman, no matter how educated she is, no matter um, how erudite her she is, no matter what kind of manner she has. This is a word that always separates and subjugates women from men. This is going to sound like a stretch, because Jesus is like us in every way, but without sin. But I want to suggest to you, this is where it was really helpful to read John Wesley for me, John Wesley says that ignorance isn't a sin unless it's willful. And I think given what's going on in our country and given the radical call for discipleship that God is always putting out to us, what if Jesus, who is God incarnate, is raised in a system, just like we are, in which there are these abilities to take away the dignity of other uh, beings that God has created with our word choice. And so what if Jesus, as John Wesley says, is ignorant? What if he starts this story, calling this woman, and this is intersectionality, right, because she's a foreigner and she's a woman, so she's got two knocks against her. He calls her a female dog. And what if it, when she falls to to her knees and says, Lord, even the dogs are members of the family. Even the female dogs belong to the family. What if we're supposed to emulate the fact that Jesus sees perhaps for the first time in his life humanity in somebody who's other from him? And he changes. What I would be suggesting is that what's sacramental in the story is that Jesus starts wrong and repents and learns. I have to say that it's not one of the seven sacraments learning, (laughs) but I'm convinced it is. The ultimate sacrament is learning and reorienting our lives. If we read the story this way, please notice that there is somebody desperate. Desperate for God, desperate for community, who even is bold enough to cry out. And she says, have mercy on me. And she, like so many of us, so often, whether as individuals or institutions, Jesus is able to ignore her. He doesn't respond. And maybe it's no coincidence that um, ignore might be uh, very similar to the word ignorance. He ignores her cries for help. The disciples say, tell her to be quiet. And then there's this pontification. I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. You're the wrong ethnicity. You're the wrong national identity. I don't have anything to do with you. She ups the ante. She says, please, Lord. So she uses this word, Lord. And Jesus then uses the epithet. It's not right to take children's bread and give it to dogs like you. Then she does this really curious thing. She doesn't say, Jesus, you're wrong. 
You've used evil speech. She does, I'm afraid, what all people who are discriminated against for one reason or another have to do. She has to give Jesus a correction without bruising his ego. Because if she drew up the conversation, undoubtedly, he would be very tempted to walk away. Instead, what she says is, fine, I'm a dog. Dogs belong in the household. And the master of the house feeds the dogs. And then I wonder if Jesus doesn't have this aha moment where he realizes who's in the house. The house is not just adults and children. The house is made up of people perhaps he's never met before. The house is made of people who are of different gender, of different ethnicity, of different race, of different denomination, of different sexuality, of different ability. I wonder if Jesus doesn't have a turning point because it's very possible in his 30-ish years as an adult, he's never met a Canaanite woman before. It's very possible because Jesus grew up in a village of about 100 families, undoubtedly all of whom were Jewish. If we read it this way, there's an opportunity for us. And I think it runs parallel to the Joseph story. Remember, the lectionary presumes we know the story already. In the story, Joseph's brothers have sold him into slavery. And through ironic reversal, he's become second in command of Egypt, and now they need something. If we read carefully, I want to tell you, my character study says, Joseph intends to get revenge. He intends to destroy his brothers. But this week, he looks at them and realizes they're part of the family as well. And he has, I think, the most immutable thing. It's not that he's testing their faith. They're testing his repentance. The brothers show up, and they're terrified. And for some reason, Joseph, instead of getting revenge, after all, that's what they did to him, sold him away. Instead of getting vengeance, Joseph has compassion. And at the end of the story, a family of one is once again a family of 12. And I want to suggest if we read both stories that way, then there's an actual opportunity for us. One is it's incumbent upon us to listen, to make time for voices that, frankly, because of who we are, we don't have to. The second, and this is the preamble that Jesus gives to the story, is that the words we use matter. We can disagree about policies and politics, but the words we use matter. Because behind the words we use is power, power to either recognize our fellow family members in God's household or to implicitly tell other people, you don't belong in God's family. And especially when we're wearing one of these collars, or when it's known that we go to church, (laughs) we have extra power not just to represent our own prejudice, but to speak on behalf of the church, which is scary. And just as a specific, and again, I I have to tell you, I've been working really hard since hearing these two these two congressional responses. If there's only one takeaway from today, I think this is really valuable. Saying that you were born, that you, that you love your mother, and that you, were, uh, you have sisters and you have daughters uh, does not justify your use of prejudicial words. So uh, as a man, I'm convinced I should never use the B word to describe anybody. I think it's the equivalent of using the N-word as a white person. Because that word only applies to women. I can say it to another man, and what I'm trying to do is womanize and denigrate and subjugate him with that word. And once I heard AOC say this to Congress, I couldn't 
ignore the word anymore. I couldn't be ignorant. If I was going to continue to use it, it would be willful and it would be therefore sinful. And this, I think, is our opportunity is to think really hard about whether or not our language is creating and reflecting the kingdom of God and the family of God as God intends. And we have this opportunity, and this is where I think this story, even though challenging, is one of the most hopeful stories in all of the Gospels, is that even God can be raised in systems of inequity, and it is not too late to learn or change, and it is not too late for us, regardless of our age, our gender, our education, you name it. It's not too late, and it is in fact critical, not just in restoring a broken family that God has created and intends, but enlivening it. So I invite you to join in the unofficial eighth sacrament, learning and repentance. Please join me as we pray our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, Let us pray for the whole state of Christ's church and the world. Almighty and ever-living God, who in thy holy word has taught us to make prayers and supplications and to give thanks for all men, receive these our prayers which we offer into thy divine majesty, beseeching thee to inspire continually the universal church with the spirit of truth, unity, and concord, and grant that all those who do not confess their holy name may agree in the truth of thy holy word and live in unity and godly love. Give grace, O Heavenly Father, to the clergy and laity of the diocesan church, together with Andy, Hector, Jeff, Kay, our bishops in the diocesan cycle of prayer, St. Paul's Waco, St. Thomas Rockdale, and Waco Church Plant, Waco, Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, and Michael, our presiding bishop, that they may both by their life and doctrine set forth thy true and lively word and rightly and duly administer thy holy sacraments. We pray for our parish and our vestry. Source of wisdom, guide us. Source of strength, support us. Source of love, unify us. We pray that our community may discern clearly and minister effectively. And to all thy people give thy heavenly grace, and especially to this congregation here present, that with meek heart and due reverence 
they may hear and receive thy holy word, truly serving thee in holiness and righteousness all the days of their lives. We pray for St. Thomas the Apostle School, that those who teach and those who learn may rejoice in the knowledge of your truth, that we may teach our students to love whatever is just and true and good, and that we may be bearers of your grace to all who come through our doors. We beseech thee also to rule the hearts of those who, who bear the authority of government in this and every land, especially Donald, our president, and Greg, our governor. We pray for the families of the nations and for all who struggle for peace and justice, that they may act with prudence and vision to plant the signs of thy dominion everywhere. Strengthen and comfort, we pray you, the members of the armed forces, and so guide their leaders that they may be led to wise decisions and right actions for the welfare and the peace of the world. Open, O Lord, the eyes of all people to behold thy gracious land in all thy works, that, rejoicing in the whole creation, they may honor thee with their substance and be faithful stewards of thy bounty. And we most humbly beseech thee of thy goodness, O Lord, to comfort and succor all those who in this transitory life are in trouble, sorrow, need, sickness, or any other adversity, especially Chris, Jerry, Sean, Jerome, Chris, Susie, Ted, Andrea, Kevin, Ron, Joe, and Nancy. The congregation is invited to name their prayers and celebrations silently or aloud. And we also bless thy holy name for thy servants departed this life in thy faith and fear, beseeching thee to grant them continual growth in thy love and service, and to grant us grace so to follow the good examples of all thy saints, that with them we may be partakers of thy heavenly kingdom. Grant these our prayers, O Father, for Jesus Christ's sake, our only mediator and advocate. Amen. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. We confess, our Father, that we do not live up to the family name. We are more ready to resent than to forgive, more ready to manipulate than to serve, more ready to fear than to love, more ready to keep our distance than to invite and welcome, more ready to compete than to help. At the root of this behavior is mistrust. We do not love one another as we should because we do not believe that you love us as you do. Forgive us our cold unbelief and make more vivid to us the meaning and depth of your love at the cross. Show us what it costs you to give up your son that we might become your daughters and sons. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our righteousness. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll do this socially distanced. <laughs> the peace of the Lord be always with you. Uh, just a few announcements I want to lift up to you. Uh, today, thank you for coming back. It's grateful to be here in a few minutes. We get to hear the invitation that says, you who have not been for a long time or ever before, and that's all of us. <laughs> um, so, so thank you for being here. Reminder that we are streaming, and um, this is really wonderful that we have Bob. If you look right back up there behind that clock, you'll see Bob Ketchum and Todd Parker are helping us to stream live and to have this um, available after the service on YouTube as well. And um, just to tell you a little bit of the fruits of their ministry, they've worked tirelessly, I mean, for, for weeks, not only designing, but getting this put together. Uh, yesterday, we had a funeral that we'd had to put off for five months because of COVID. It was scheduled, and we had to actually cancel it. And we were able to have it yesterday, and at least 15 households were able to join the family because of this streaming. So 
Bob and Todd, really grateful for your tireless ministry. Um, that part of the system was made available through a diocesan grant, and what's wonderful is that this is not just a stopgap in COVID, but it enables us um, to stay connected to parishioners who have moved physically from the area. So um, this is really just a wonderful thing, and a reminder that next week, um, it'll be available on YouTube as well. You, there's a placeholder that'll be there, and you can click that on our YouTube page um, 10, five minutes ahead of the service, and then the stream will just um, sort of come right there. So if you're ever away or you're not feeling well, uh, this will serve your needs. So thanks, Bob and Todd, for doing that. Um, reminder that we do a fresh food distribution once a month here at St. Thomas that feeds about 468 people by serving 110-ish cars. And the next time we're going to do that is actually Saturday, August 29th. Normally we would do it Labor Day weekend, but the food bank is closed. We're normally the first Saturday of the month, so we're, we're doing it the last Saturday as our September distribution. Uh, to do that, you just show up at 745, and we're normally done with setup, cleanup, and service by 1030. Uh, the last bit is that uh, Eucharist is a little different. We're going to be taking um, the Eucharist of bread only today. Um, it's going to be a little bit before the chalice is opened up. Uh, and the way we'll do that is um, I'll come to each row. So when I come to the row that's to your right-hand side is when you should proceed down. Uh, I'll give you the bread, and please just consume the bread as you go back around to your seat. So I'll start here in the middle, I'll come here next, and I'll come to our service musicians last. Walk in love. As Christ first loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. This is the table, not of the church, but of Jesus Christ. It is made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time or ever before, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come, not because the church invites you, it is Christ, and he invites you to meet him here. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. 
It is very meet, right, and our bounden duty that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, O Lord, Holy Father Almighty, everlasting God. And therefore with angels and with archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Glory be to thee, O Lord, most high. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. All glory be to thee, O Lord our God, for that thou didst create heaven and earth, and didst make us in thine own image, and of thy tender mercy didst give thine only Son, Jesus Christ, to take our nature upon him, and to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption. He made there a full and perfect sacrifice for the whole world, and did institute, and in his holy gospel command us to continue, a perpetual memory of that his precious death and sacrifice until his coming again. For in the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And when he given thanks to thee, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for all for the remission of sins. Do this as oft as you shall drink it in remembrance of me. Wherefore, O Lord and Heavenly Father, we thy people do celebrate and make with these thy holy gifts which we now offer unto thee, the memorial thy Son hath commanded us to make, having in remembrance his blessed passion and precious death, his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension, and looking for his coming again with power and great glory. And we most humbly beseech thee, O merciful Father, to hear us, and with thy word and Holy Spirit to bless and sanctify these gifts of bread and wine, that they may be unto us the body and blood of thy dearly beloved Son, Jesus Christ. And we earnestly desire thy fatherly goodness to accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, whereby we offer and present unto thee, O Lord, ourselves, our souls and bodies. Grant, we beseech thee that all who partake of this holy communion may worthily receive the most precious body and blood of thy Son, Jesus Christ, and be filled with thy grace and heavenly benediction. And also that we and all thy whole church may be made one body with him, that he may dwell in us and we in him, through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, all honor and glory be unto thee, O Father Almighty, world without end. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ hath taught us, we are bold to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. O Lamb of God that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God that takest away the sins of the world, grant us thy peace. These are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Let's pray together. Almighty and ever-living God, we most heartily thank Thee for that Thou dost feed us in these holy mysteries with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of Thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and dost assure us thereby of Thy favor and goodness towards us, and that we are very members and corporate in the mystical body of Thy Son, the blessed company of all faithful people, and are also heirs through hope of Thy everlasting kingdom. And we humbly beseech Thee, O Heavenly Father, so to assist us with Thy grace, that we may continue in that holy fellowship and do all such good works as Thou hast prepared for us to walk in, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with Thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. May God, who by the Holy Spirit caused those of many languages and worldviews to proclaim Jesus as Lord, strengthen your faith and send you out to bear witness to God in word and deed. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you this day and remain with you forever. Amen. Alleluia, alleluia, peacefully go in six-foot increments to love and serve the Lord. <laughs>